Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, I now call Mr. Konstantinos Stavadakis to make his presentation. Thank you. Good morning to everyone. Oh, I don't know what to say, Yanis. I, you know, you've put me in a, in, a, in a really bad position here. I don't have a madinada to say. I don't have music in my presentation. And I, I don't have a nice, a nice uh, panel, but uh, I have a nice subject also. Okay, so it's ballast water. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for attending the event. Nicholas, thank you so much for, for uh, another full house event. Um, today, um, I'm going to talk about um, ballast water and compliance testing. So, we're going to go back to the basic why we install a ballast water treatment system. Um, it's always good to know, don't forget uh, why we're doing that. Uh, I will present you the installation status and then the way to compliance and the way forward. But before going there, uh, a bit of uh, uh, history of Ermafirst. Ermafirst uh, is a ballast water treatment uh, system uh, manufacturer. We're established back in 2009. We're part of uh, EPE, Environmental Protection Engineering Group of Companies. And since 2009, we're dealing with ballast water. Uh, I will uh, stay. Uh, I, uh, I will stay uh, only in the last uh, milestone of the company. Um, as of uh, December last year, we have received uh, um, a revised uh, US Coast Guard type approval, which include a third filter in our system, which makes Ermafirst uh, the the first and only one uh, uh, BWTS maker which is using three different filters. And also, we received uh, the IMO type approval according to the revised G8 guidelines. Um, the technology, we are uh, an uh, electrochlorination-based uh, unit. Uh, we're using a 40-micron filter and then a full-flow electrolysis. And uh, the experience so far proves that uh, we can, the technology can be used on a, variety, uh, on a, on a, on a big variety of uh, vessel types and sizes. Some numbers, so far we have installed 780 units and uh, we're receiving uh, operating reports for almost uh, 700 units. We have 2,300 units uh, in order until 2024. Um, 700 units were delivered in 2019 and we're planning 900 units uh, for 2020. So go back to the presentation topic. Why do we install a ballast water treatment system? We're doing that first of all to protect the environment. Um, Ballast water tanks, SIFS ballast water tanks, has been uh, identified as uh, the, ma the major vector for transferring invasive species from one uh, environment to the other. And according to the marine biologists, the transportation of invasive species have been uh, uh, proved the fourth threat, environmental threat of uh, our oceans. Second is to follow the rules. The Ballast Water Management Convention came into force uh, uh, in uh, September of 2017, and since then, and until 2024, all vessels with 400 uh, gross tonnage and above uh, should install a ballast water treatment system. Third, this is the only way, by installing a ballast water treatment system, is the only way to have uh, the ticket uh, to trade. Uh, each vessel after the uh, entry into force of the convention should have an international ballast water management certificate which requires a ballast water treatment system. And last but not least, we're doing that to be compliant. Um, as of today, installing a type approved ballast water treatment system is not enough. Since uh, October 2018, IMO introduced a Circular 70 which is uh, suggesting um, the compliance testing at uh, commissioning. And I will go back into this uh, later in my presentation. So what is the installation status? In the new build, 
which are about to be delivered within the next uh, two years, we see that 77% uh, is already equipped with ballast water treatment system, and these 23% uh, are vessels which are not subject to the convention. On the existing vessels, we see that 13% um, of vessels already have a system from uh, the new building phase, 3.3% uh, has installed a ballast water treatment system and 3.7% is, uh, is planning installation uh, within uh, 2020. So we have 80% more to be installed uh, from 2021 until 2024. So there is a long way to go there. The way to compliance. So let's see what is the legislation trend today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have uh, the Circular 70, which is a guidance uh, for uh, compliance testing at, uh, at commissioning. Based on this uh, circular, we have uh, flags uh, such as Singapore, Liberia, Australia, Cyprus, and then DNVGL on the behalf of Norway, uh, which are requesting compliance testing at, uh, at the commissioning already. On top of that, we have the European Union. The European Union has announced that from September, uh, or from sorry, October of uh, 2021 onwards, will ask its member states to request compliance testing at uh, at commissioning. There are also some rumours which saying that the European Union may ask every vessel which is intending to discharge ballast water in their ports should have done a compliance testing at commissioning which means if that comes into force, which means every vessel should do this uh, at, uh, at commissioning. Last but not least, last week we have a PPR 7 in, uh, in London, where actually the details of Circular 70 were, were discussed, uh, some um, uh, decisions have been made, and those decisions will come, uh, for, uh, will come in uh, MAPC 75 plenary for uh, final, uh, final uh, adoption. So, which is the way to, sorry. But we're talking about compliance, we're talking about testing uh, at uh, commissioning. Let's focus on what we're testing there. We're testing organisms more than 50 microns. Those are mainly zooplankton, which have been proved to be the strong uh, uh, guys into the sea. Those are the organisms which uh, cannot uh, be uh, killed by extensive chlorine dosage or extensive UV dosage, and uh, mechanical means like filtrations are required to remove them. So we, there are a lot of studies uh, out there which are proving that uh, even at 100 milligrams per liter of, uh, of uh, chlorine or chlorine dioxide are not enough to make sure that the system is, uh, is compliant. Therefore, mechanical means should be used to remove those uh, organisms in order to be compliant. The second category of organisms is uh, those are between 10 and 50 microns, which are the phytoplankton. These are easy uh, um, organisms to, to render. They can be removed easily by chlorine dosage or UV dosage. Last but not least, we have the indicators, which PPR7 has excluded from uh, the compliance testings, and those are mainly pathogens uh, like uh, enterococci, E. coli, and cholera. However, According to uh, EPA um, and uh, VGP, those should be monitored on a yearly basis uh, for vessels calling the US. So the way to compliance. Firstly, um, 
We need to select a ballast water treatment system which is efficient and not only a ballast water treatment system which has been type approved. Administrations have conducted several studies the last two years as part of the experience of, of IMO experience building phase were actually proving that 60% of those samples are failing on, uh, on uh, testing uh, of organisms above uh, 50 microns. Let's see some details. We have one administration who has uh, conducted uh, 47 samplings from 2017 until 2019. Out of these uh, 37 uh, samples, we have 100% success on the phytoplankton, the organisms between 10 and 50 microns. However, 20 samples have failed um, on the uh, above 50 microns. Another administration uh, has conducted seven samplings within uh, 2019. Again, 100% uh, success on 10 to 50, but five uh, samples out of the seven uh, failed in the uh, above uh, 50 microns. And also, we have some international uh, laboratories who are conducting uh, um, uh, tests, compliance tests, already since uh, November. And we see so far from the reports that uh, they have conducted uh, 40 sampling operations. Uh, again, 100% at 10 to 50. Uh, 18% failures in uh, above uh, 50 microns. But let's go into the details. Which are the failing reasons? Uh, the most obvious is uh, the lack of filtration. Uh, there are some technologies out there which uh, they don't use filters. Therefore, those are the most uh, high-risk uh, technologies to use. Second, uh, with technologies like Ermafers that we are using filters, we have some damaged filters, uh, eroded or corroded filters, which actually allow the bugs to pass. Unfortunately, we have seen some cases where BWTS manufacturers are installing uh, a screen mesh with higher porosity compared to that uh, used uh, during uh, uh, their testing. I mean that they, they may use 40 or 50 micron filters, but in the, uh, the reality, in order to avoid clogging, they're installing 70 or 100 microns uh, filters. Of course, contamination due to valve leakages or contaminated ballast water tanks also can be reasons for the failing reasons. Um, secondly, we need to use the ballast water treatment system. We need to operate it. Uh, in order to do that, especially in the initial phase, uh, the, uh, the owner needs uh, the full support uh, of the vendor. The owner should be prepared. Uh, we always recommend uh, the owner to have at least uh, the minimum critical spare part list on board the vessel and contingency measures should be part of their ballast water uh, management uh, plan. Last but not least, crew training. This, is, uh, this has been proved to be a really important uh, uh, issue. Um, the crew should be familiar with the documents records that the convention uh, uh, requires and uh, also the practical training. We have seen after, the, uh, after 700 commissionings that um, Onboard training is not uh, so efficient because the time of the training, the crew is occupied with uh, several other things and they're not paying attention to the training. Therefore, we recommend computer-based training or onshore uh, training uh, from the vendor to the operator. The last slide, the way forward. As we see it, and this is uh, the personal opinion of, uh, of uh, my personal opinion and Irma first personal opinion, uh, is the following. Compliance testing has arrived to stay. Um, therefore, we need to make sure that uh, when we're installing a system, we need to make it a success. Indicative analysis tools that are out on the market, some uh, portable devices which, can, uh, which are 
pretty reliable to give you uh, a thumbs up if the water is treated or not. Therefore, we, we, we recommend our users to buy one of those uh, tools and use it on a regular basis. International Balanced Water Management Certificate Renewal. Um, there are some rumors uh, in uh, IMO which says that after 2022, where the experience building phase uh, will finish, the compliance testing will be part of the annual renewal of the International Ballast Water uh, Management Certificate. And last but not least, we as a company were promoting the compliance testing and commissioning, uh, no matter which is the flag of the vessel. Therefore, we recommend uh, uh, the owners to ask the same, uh, no matter who the vendor is. By saying that, I would like to thank you so much for your attention and enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Costa, thank you. Um, to be a bit of a devil's advocate, the ballast system basically has been quite a re revolutionary topic for quite a few years now, and it was actually, there's a lot of contradictions in terms of how it'd be applied and how it wouldn't. Um, my beloved friend, Dr. George Ratsos, has a view about this, which in fact I've heard on upteen times. Um, without wanting to go throw the spanners in the works, but just to question and debate the issues which we have and you've just addressed earlier. Um, we have the water ballast, we have to comply with the IMO regulations. But the question is, do we actually preserve the ecology in biologically rich coastal waters, which we're supposed to be doing? Because the ballast water includes bacteria, it includes eggs, cysts, and many other components. And I was just wondering, again, being a devil's advocate, I'm not particularly uh, technically conversant, why can't a ship just ballast in the ballast in the middle of the ocean and do the same work with all this uh, rebellious um, um, technical complicated issues which uh, just add more burden to running the ship? I know we're talking about history now because the regulations are always passed, but I think in conference like this, we're not here to go and contest what has been what, what has occurred, but I think we are here to keep an open mind to really question as to whether the ballast water system was really necessary in the first place. Does anybody have any comments? Is he? Wally? I know it's history, but don't we should, we should I'm not there to contest the history, but shouldn't we actually sometimes question as to how these situations are applied? not to be critical about the system, but with a view of looking forward to see that on the regulate, we're going through a long, very stressful phase of uh, over-regulation. And uh, the water ballast system, in comparison with the aspects of scrubbers and sulfur, may be a relatively uh, uh, minor topic. It's, it's more easily uh, manageable. But the only reason why I mention the question is because we're going through a phase now where in future, we're gonna see all the more regulations coming to um, uh, to face. I mean, one thing which I mentioned earlier yesterday evening, the Poseidon principle. Now we have the extra regulated body coming on board by the banks. So now we've got certification for IMO, we've got other regulated bodies, and now we have the banking system who will screen you to see whether you're compliant and whether you've been a good boy to see whether they're going to lend you money or not. And that's what I'm, I'm really thinking in terms of not what's happened, but what we can see ahead. Any comments from anybody? I believe the, the spirit of the, the comment uh, has to do with a storm in a teacup. When we have the global conveyor 
uh, carrying uh, two or three orders of magnitude, uh, three orders of magnitude of water more than uh, what the total balanced water carried by the ships. Treating this balanced water will do nothing practically. So uh, the usefulness of the regulation has been questioned. Nevertheless, I'm gratified to see that uh, Erma first advocates this uh, testing at commissioning, which is also a long uh, wish list uh, in the past and uh, has been now uh, become a rule. That's true, yeah. So just my comment if I'm allowed, okay? First of all, is uh, I usually say that don't, don't shoot the rabbit, you know? We're here as a solution provider. The legislation is there. Um, if it's an efficient legislation or not, or not, this is a long discussion. Um, if there are other ways to treat uh, ballast water in, in such an efficient way, I can say for sure that there aren't any technologies or methods like uh, um, seawater, open water exchange that can uh, reach uh, this uh, efficiency level required by the convention. But the big question is whether we need to be so strict, whether we need to reduce 99.9% the uh, a number of organisms we take at the uptake. But this is something that um, the, the regulators uh, have decided back in 2004, and we need to de design our systems in order to comply with this. Thank you. Uh, just trying to respond to your question, uh, which is very interesting. I would say that uh, any convention in the legislation comes uh, as a result of, of uh, certain uh, facts that we see. So when, let's say, for example, in the Mediterranean Sea, you see all these kind of uh, species that have been uh, transported, then uh, the legislator tries to find a solution. If it's effective or not, uh, we don't know. Sometimes you create one solution, uh, but I mean, oh, for sure, uh, what it was not effective is uh, the solution, I mean, this uh, in, in the middle of the ocean, it didn't work. So right now we have a better solution, hopefully, and I guess if this situation continues, uh, there will be further <laughs> regulations, and I think that uh, we, will, we will not avoid also environmental regulations in the future because there will be no future at that point. Yes, technical people are always very pleased to see the new regulations coming out and uh, they have the solutions created before the regulation comes out. Of course, we don't know if we will exist in 10 years to see the next regulations applying because, you know, the freight market is $5,000 a day and all this equipment are costing millions. So let's the hope that the there will be, a full, will be a logic somewhere to balance it who pays the cost because when you have owners making, reporting a million profit or 10 million losses, and you are happy if you manage to make a million profit a year, you are happy. And you see charters making billions per quarter, you say that these regulations are not fairly balanced. Who pays what? Ted Heath would refer to that, the ex-Prime Minister of England, the unacceptable phase of capitalism Um, Mr. President, maybe we can uh, ask uh, the question uh, why every regulation should the owners 
uh, why not uh, the other stakeholders? Uh, why we are paying? For example, uh, ballast matter. Why not the ports? Why ask all these uh, vessels to install something and not the port facilities? Just as an example. That's a, that's a billion dollar question, but the answer to that question, because I've got to be short now, because I've been told we have to discontinue for a uh, coffee break, is that basically uh, all these situations arise primarily because the shipping market has always been very fragmented. You've got the oil industry, you've got this together, and made us, as uh, George Procopio mentions, we have to put distillers on our ships. We've got other colorful expressions about the way things are turned, but the reason, the basic reason is because shipping never really the right marketing, the right networking, the right uh, publicizing, the right, uh, all the process which everybody else did. So we became the scapegoat of everybody else. It's totally unfair. And uh, I dread to think, I don't want to agree with the police because um, I'm an eternal optimist, a passionate optimist. I think in some way we will find a solution. We will get credit for what we're doing. But we did allow the whole system to go further astray and I'm very concerned about that myself. Anyway, I think we have to call it quits now because otherwise we won't have any coffee. Thanks very much for your attendance. Thanks very much for your presentation. Thanks so much. And thanks very much for giving us to the floor. Thank you. Let's go for a brief coffee and we're coming back. Is it by seeing a nation become energy self-sufficient? Helping charities to be as productive as businesses 